What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. This episode is brought to you by Shin Pads, because I'm Dana Bluen, and today we're talking about the rise of amateur MMA in Southeast Asia. Now, this is Thanksgiving week, and I'm taking things easy, so I haven't really been doing a whole lot. Don't worry, next week you will see a much more aggressive posting schedule like I started out with. I'm just kind of taking it easy this week, catching up on a few things, and you know, sort of taking care of a few other projects. Don't worry, things will be back to normal. But with that, being Thanksgiving, I'm American and all, we give thanks for something. And one of the things that I am very much thankful for is the rise of Asian MMA in Asia, in Southeast Asia specifically. Now, when I started MMA, this is you know way back in the early 2000s, some states didn't even have an amateur circuit. You either fought in essentially underground fights with dudes who you didn't really know their record like you've seen them fight but you don't know no medicals no you know no real referees or you went pro right away which a lot of people chose to do just because it was the safer route it was the better route now i think amateur structure for any combat sport is fantastic it actually gives a system for people to gain experience at a comparable level and really develop their own skill set and style, become used to the combat sport, and by the time they go pro, they're not getting stuck in fights where they're just taking a one-sided beating, hopefully, because they have a better understanding of the game as a whole. When I first came to Southeast Asia uh, six years ago now, I can remember amateur fights or amateur tournaments even One of them was held in a parking garage at a university. There was no medical staff on hand. Guys were fighting on mats on the floor in the parking garage with fence, actual chain link fence with the little uh, metal uh, spikes and stuff hanging off it, like the little sharp spots hanging off the fence, just guys getting their back tore up. I can remember uh, one guy who was fighting out of Canada, happened to be training up in Chiang Mai, came down for the tournament, and his back got destroyed. Blood everywhere was a mess. Um, That's not the type of event you want to be coming up in for the most part. Most guys don't want to be coming up in those types of events. They want to be coming up in actual sanctioned amateur events that are are held well. And, you know, while those kind of shadier events are still around and they do exist, I've seen events like that in Thailand, the Philippines, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, they're everywhere. There are much better, more well-structured, professionally run amateur events and tournaments that take place in Southeast Asia that have done a ton for the sport. And for the guys who fight exclusively in Southeast Asia, there's not really enough low-level professional promotions that they can gain a ton of experience. So these sort of tournament-formatted amateur events really do help develop the fighter better and give them a track to being a professional whereas before a lot of it was you know very expensive guys were traveling on their own dime or they were taking fights that were just too risky they weren't ready for simply because they had no other options 
now with the amateur circuit, we see guys who can develop on amateur cards really well. And the amateur fights have turned out to be so good. We see some of the more well-established promotions in the region actually fill their undercard with amateur fights. One, I'm sure it saves them money because they're not paying amateurs. And two, they're just better fights than taking unknown pros. Now, with that being said, I think the the key players that I've seen thus far the past five years was Mima and Kuala Lumpur. They were the main amateur tournament. They basically built a movement around grassroots MMA in Malaysia, and that sort of spread everywhere. The other big one that I've seen really step up the production quality, safety, take everything really seriously is the One Shin Cup and Ignite Tournament uh, run by a guy named Ply here in Bangkok. He actually does a fantastic job. He's doing some great things. And uh, Brent Yap and uh, Alex Wong, the guys who really started out Mima with Jason Lowe down in Malaysia, you know, they did some fantastic stuff growing the sport there. But these events also give guys a ton of exposure. I haven't really seen that yet here in Thailand with the One Shin Cup and the the Ignite tournament where they've made superstars, but in Malaysia, you know, there, there are guys like Zenyu or Jace Law who have, you know, built their whole career around Mima as far as being a fighter and an athlete, you know, and that really sent them on to, to big things. And there are other guys, one of the dudes, uh, Shem, uh, Shem Rock, who you have to keep an eye out for. I saw him come up through the, uh, the foreign pride division in Malaysian Invasion three years ago now, maybe. And yeah, he, he's a, a star on the rise. He's going to be something special, I think, in his in his weight class because every time I see him, he just looks better and better. And the guys who he trains with talk about him like, you know, he's really getting better every time he's in the gym. But that's what these tournaments do. That's what they're meant to do. They give experience. They give exposure. The, uh, the Mima one, they were fighting every month. And so every month they would have a fight. They would get better. They would improve. You know, they were fighting with bigger gloves, with shin pads. There, were, there was restricted submissions, uh, no knees to the head, no elbows. So there were protections in place to allow them to fight at that higher frequency even. And I, I think it really did a lot of good for the sport in general. We've seen some of those guys percolate up to become contenders in some of the bigger organizations now. It's a huge benefit to the sport in general. One of the people I think that really needs to be thrown out here and talked about with regards to this, though, is Kareth Brown, the president of IMAF. IMAF has done a ton of work on the amateur scene, really regulating it. And he goes around. He works with the sports authorities. He works with the governing bodies in every country, getting them on board, getting them you know, in line with what the IMAF standards are. And he's really pushing it to the point where he is actually a fixture on the Asian MMA circuit. For amateurs, you actually see him at different events. I've seen him in Malaysia. I've seen him in Thailand. I've seen him in China. Last time I talked to him in Bangkok, he was flying to Philippines before he went home, and I think he had Jakarta after that. He was just in Bahrain. That's the type of guy who's out there growing the sport. He's really pushing it. And that organization, IMAF, is doing a lot to even try to get MMA in the Olympics 2020 in L.A. I hope. Fingers crossed. Let's see. But... They're doing all the right things. Kareth Brown's a former Olympian in judo. You know, his, his um, disagreement with the British Judo Federation, I believe it was, is 
well-documented in his views on the way judo's going. I talked to him about that on another one of my podcasts before. Uh, if that episode is out already, which I don't think it is, but if it is, I'll throw the link in the show notes. If not, I'll edit it later when it does come out, so it'll be there. You know, he thought judo was going in a bad direction. He saw MMA as a really great path for uh, judo players, and he landed at IMAF, and he's been doing amazing things. Not so many people talking about judo these days, unfortunately, because it's an amazing art. But his work at IMAF, you know, working with local partners, guys like Ply, guys like Brent, Alex Wong, and then also working with the governing body, Sports Authority of Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Myanmar, China, just building up that grassroots and giving fighters an avenue to develop, giving fighters an avenue to get better and really become a more powerful figure in the fight game. Understand the game, the business of MMA more before you even become a pro. It's a win-win, and we're starting to see a lot of these guys trickle up to the pro level now and really do some amazing things. I'm going to be talking to a lot more of these guys on the show in the future, hopefully, guys who have gone up to that pro level and who are just doing great stuff. And by the way, if you guys are out there listening, some fighters here in Asia, you want to come on the podcast like I had Javier come on, I've got a few other people booked, drop me an email, send me a message on the Facebook page, however you got to get in touch with me. Uh, Asian MMA podcast at gmail.com. You can always hit me up. And if I can get you on, I absolutely will. I want to talk to all you guys, give you the chance to, you know, talk about what it's like in Asian and MMA, call someone out like Javi did, try to call out a promotion, even holler at me. Let me know. Anyway, if you're American, have a great Thanksgiving. If you're not American, have a fantastic Thursday to stay up to date with all things Asian MMA be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, the Facebook page. It's on Spotify. All the links are going to be in the show notes. Check it out.